Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of the Mode Push Podcast, we break down the Dutch GP, the 10th race win of the year for Max Verstappen. Other teams not able to get out of their own way and will Colton Hurt to finally get an American seat in F1. We'll talk about it next. Radio check. Loud and clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcast present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now. And stop. He's with you, Cut. With his f- Honestly. I've gussed it. I've absolutely gussed it. I enjoy this so f- much. Thank you. Thank you. It's another edition of Mode Push, the American view of F1, the podcast. Thanks for being with us as we break down a little bit of the Dutch GP. Zamvoort in the books, and uh, man, it's another one that Max Verstappen walks home with the second year in a row that he has 10-plus wins on the grid. An amazing finish for him and, of course, the hometown fans. Joining me as usual, Dan Jimenez. I'm your host, Alex Curie, the other host. Dan, uh, you watched the race today, and we're uh, just as excited about this thing as, as I think the rest of us were, except for there were some things that happened in there that I think that we could have all said, well, it made the race interesting, uh, but boy, it didn't make the, the championship fight any more interesting. Yeah, if you were to uh, just look up the race results at the end of the race, you would have thought, oh, well, this played out probably like uh, all the other races have you know, for the last few months. Right. But watching the race, it was anything but that, and seemed like uh, it was going to fall towards Mercedes till you know the, a, a bit of chaos towards the end. <laughs> well, uh, the screw ups on the pit lane are always fun to watch. I don't care if it's you know I, I think it was I don't know if it was last year or the year before that uh, Valtteri Bottas Valtteri Bottas had that uh, the machined uh, nut on the. Uh, on the wheel that wouldn't yeah. come off, and they just said, "You know what? We can't do anything about it." They couldn't even get it off until t- they got it back to the factory. And right. today it was—I don't know what ended up happening with Yuki Sonoda. What did we end up find out that happened with that? Because he says the tires weren't fitted. He ends up having to stop twice. They're fiddling around with his seatbelts at one point. Did we ever get like a clear answer as to what happened to uh, Yuki and why we got that first safety car in the first place? Yeah, it sounds like uh, that. What happened was he had an issue with his differential, which is. Uh, you know, the back of the car, uh, helps to drive the rear wheels. And so he came out, uh, out of the pit lane and felt like something was shaking around back there. And so the first thought he had was my tires coming loose. So that's what we heard on the radio, right? Was, you know, uh, tires coming loose, 
the team checks it and they say, no, like your tires are fine. Just come into the pit. And I guess what happened was while he was thinking that his race was done and he was oh, going to get out, he, he, he was going to get out of the car. So he loosened his belts, which yeah. is a big no, no right. uh, with the, with the FIA. So when he came back into the pits, all we saw was every, like the mechanics <laughs> jumping in there trying to tighten his belts. And we're like, wait, is this, was this the issue? And of course that's the, the moment when, uh, Lewis was catching Max pretty quickly. So there's been a fair amount of speculation, uh, on the internet, uh, today, this afternoon was, was that an orchestrated, uh, uh, move by Red Bull to get Alpha Tauri to help them out to cause a virtual safety right. car. But I love those. I, I, I love the, <laughs> I love the, uh, the conspiracy theory stuff. You start busting out the X files because then the, then Valtteri has his own safety or then he has his own rolling stop and, and they stop him. And then everybody goes, that's Valtteri helping out his old clan, you know, <laughs> like helping out his buddies. So whatever you want to think about how this thing rolls out, there's too much money on the line. For it. By the way, Red Bull couldn't care less if AlphaTauri, you know, if, if one of those cars blew up in the race and they raced right past them to get first place. They do not care. They're not going to ask AlphaTauri. I know that people think that uh, Helmet Marco is, uh, you know, Emperor Palpatine on the, uh, on the grid, <laughs> and he kind of looks like him, but I don't think that, that that's how it works. No, no. And uh, it would have been uh, too much to orchestrate all that and communicate it to Yuki, you know, over the radio without anybody else knowing. So I doubt that 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 was uh, done on purpose, but it fell uh, into uh, Red Bull's hands a bit. And so, you know, Max came and uh, pitted right then for hards. And uh, I really loved Mercedes call then too under the virtual safety card to they double stacked that pit and they both came in on medium. So right. they knew like, Hey, that advantage, that kind of tire age, uh, you know, uh, and not like the one stop, the one stop that Mercedes was on yeah, that advantage went away with the virtual safety car. So they're like, well, what are we going to do now? And they're like, well, let's at least go on a, on a, uh, a faster set of tires than what, uh, you know, they, they saw max, uh, go on. So I thought that was a really good call and that set them up for, what I think was going to be a Mercedes win until yeah. uh, Botas pulled out the, the, the full <laughs> safety car. Well, so full pace, everybody going, no safety cars. What's your podium look like then? With Without the safety car? Yeah, I mean, uh, is that an easy – a couple of times in the race, you saw it toward the end, it was a Lewis George 1-2. And, I mean, pace-wise, it was like, well, no one's questioning whether or not Max Verstappen doesn't have the pace or not. He was obviously the faster car through the weekend – Mercedes figured yeah. some things out, but uh, if, if all things were equal in the sense of everybody was kind of on the same race strategy, they're all just racing wheel to wheel, no safety cars. Who wins that race then today? I think it's Lewis. I think Lewis wins that race. Uh, Mercedes somehow was running quick on the hard tire, which was something that the teams didn't think was possible going into the week. They thought that hard tire is too hard. It's a second or a second and a half slower lap. Like that's not going to work for anybody, but Mercedes, they made it work somehow with their car. And that I think is what caught Red Bull out on their strategy as they didn't expect Lewis to be as fast on that hard tire as he was. So no, no safety car. I think uh, Lewis ends up winning that race and maybe even George gets around max too. Uh, it was interesting too, because Mercedes seemed to screw it up a little bit on the strategy uh, it was, it certainly wasn't team orders for, uh, Russell to come in when he did. And then to go out on the softs while Hamilton's going on the radio going, uh, so is everybody else on 
softs around me? I, well, then he goes, is everybody else, what does everybody else have tire-wise? They go, uh, everybody's on softs <laughs> around you. That was what it was. And he goes, is everybody on softs? And, and, and they go, well, the cars around us are. like, But not like... <laughs> Not like Los Latifi. He's on hard still. Like, yeah, who cares? Like, of course, the guys around me were on soft because they ran it. It's another time where these guys are probably in the debrief afterward, that cool down room, and they're going, why didn't they, why didn't they put Lewis on, on the mediums? And he's like, I, and then George has to say, I forced myself in to get the softs. And at one point, even when he was passing him at the very end, when George was passing Lewis, it was not an easy pass. It looked a little dicey. That That was was like one of those obvious moments where you're going, Oh, Mercedes doesn't want this on their hands. This is a mess. And certainly uh, the seven-time world champ, Lewis Hamilton, had to kind of take the back seat to – and what did he end up? Uh, fourth? Is that what he ended up finishing? Just off the podium, yeah. Jeez. Fourth. After being, uh, after being a race leader for a good chunk of the race and uh, certainly probably their best pace and their best shot that they've had all year. Um, after everything, though, you still have Max Verstappen who could – mathematically dan take uh the next four races off basically and still be okay in that championship race i think people are already looking ahead to see when he could clinch this thing i don't know what the next races look like in terms of these play out for them but you see these other cars kind of gaining some pace you know ferrari has already still had the pace they just screwed up in other ways um but it looks like mercedes is kind of back or am i do we, does that totally go away race to race? We have no idea. It it does change race to race, but I agree that Mercedes has momentum right now that they'll carry into Monza. So I expect Lewis uh, and and George to fight there for for uh, against Red Bull at Monza, and we'll see if Ferrari has the straight line speed. I mean, it's the temple of speed, right? At Monza, it's a lots of uh, of high speed straights, and so uh, whoever has the you know best engine. And lowest uh, lowest drag is going to probably take home the win. So I, I expect uh, Mercedes to fight uh, pretty well. Uh, the constructor standings, uh, obviously Red Bull running away with this thing. Lots to be said about, and this is probably an underappreciated part of the uh, of of the race weekend usually because it's all about the racer and it's all about the guy in the seat. It's all about those the you know these drivers, and they're pretty quick to go oh. I want to say thanks to everybody back at the factory. I want to say thanks to the team. This is a team effort, you know, even though I think that there's nobody on the planet with bigger egos than these race drivers, maybe right. the team principals. But I but I look at it and I go, the strategists for these teams make or break some of these things. And obviously Ferrari has been broken by these things. But on the flip side, you have uh, Red Bull, who's getting a ton of credit for their chief strategist, who did a heck of a job today. Uh, Hannah Schmitz, I think is her name. Yeah. And she and, and, and like she's getting all this credit today. Everybody's throwing all this, heaping all this praise on somebody who you never usually talk about. Yeah. Yeah. The nerd with the uh, with the laptop was kind of <laughs> the hero of the day, which I love to see. But uh, yeah, she was uh, a lot of credit to her. I think they um, Red Bull reacted uh, I think in in uh, every odd scenario that was thrown at them towards the end of the race in 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 a great manner and with that last uh, full safety car coming in to get the softs I mean you're a sitting duck when you're leading the race and that full safety car comes out and there's a few laps to go because normally whoever whatever you do the people behind you are going to do the opposite they're just going to wait and see which is kind of what happened like Max came in to get his softs and Lewis stayed out just to leapfrog him. Now, then the surprising thing was that then a lap later that uh, George kind of forced his way in there and screwed up what I thought was going to be the Mercedes uh, strategy, which was to get keep 
George in between Lewis and Max and make it hard for Max to get a good start and to and give Lewis time to get his tires up uh, to temperature. I thought that was going to be the strategy. So when George kind of uh, forced his way in there to get uh, a new tires, I felt like y- you had to either both pit both Mercedes or leave both Mercedes out. But I, splitting them, I think, left uh, left each of them kind of um, vulnerable to Max. And uh, he had a an amazing restart. But I think also if Lewis could do it again, he would have done that restart pretty differently. He, he took off really early. Yeah, that was wild. Gave, <laughs> yeah. I, I was waiting for the Botas style. I'm going to go five miles an hour until right. we get to the, uh, to the start line. And then I'm going right. Like I, but he didn't do that. He went early and gave max that toe. And it, I mean, it was over, uh, by the, by the time they got to the start line. Right. The end of that, well, the end of that straight, it was, it was like, and people are like, oh, this is going to be so exciting. And I, when I'm watching everybody talking about how exciting it's going to be, oh, this is shades of uh, of Abu Dhabi last year. This is <laughs> going to be crazy. And, I, and I'm and i going, yeah, it, it was not even that. It wasn't even as exciting as that because no. it started and it was he was already wheel to wheel with him and then passing him as soon as they got to that first turn. And so uh, at the end of all of this, you've got Max Verstappen, who's got a commanding 109-point lead. Uh, in the championship over both Leclerc and his teammate Sergio Perez, who tied for who are tied for that second spot, George Russell just hanging around at 188 points in fourth place. There, Carlos Sainz, 175 points, fifth place. Lewis Hamilton 158 for six, and then it drops off uh, pretty uh, precipitously for the rest of the guys uh, in the midfield. I how this thing plays out the rest of the way. Is this going to be an interesting world championship fight at all? What's going to be something we look at and we just kind of go, Max Max is going to be the world champion. That's the thought. That's at least my, my – I can't imagine how it would go any other way unless something catastrophic happens, obviously. So what's the next part? Like, who, where, where are the, where's this next fight then? Is it between George Russell, Sergio Perez, and, and, and Charles Leclerc? Does Carlos Sainz throw himself back into that mix again because he's found himself a little bit further back? Is Lewis Hamilton going to be in any of that? What's the thing that interests you between that kind of two and six spot that's separated by uh, well, two and four is separated by le- by about by less than twenty five points, and then uh, Lewis Hamilton is you know back by about forty five points. But what interests you in that race there, kind of knowing who the world champion is likely to be in Max Verstappen? Right. Yeah, I think the uh, the world championship is all but decided, and so it's it's about. The constructors championship and then uh, the driver spots that you just mentioned two through six. I'm look. I'm looking at Lewis. I think that he's going to surge, and Ferrari has uh, something like a thirty point lead on the in the constructor standings mm-hmm. over Mercedes. They they need to keep that. I mean, there's big money uh, uh, at risk there what between the second and the third. That's spot. what I was wondering. Is like we always hear the hundreds of millions of dollars, and, and across American sports, the way we do it is if we just go. Uh, you're terrible, but you get the same share as everybody else. Maybe your gate's a little bit different because not as many <laughs> fans are showing up. But, like, explain that a little bit. Like, I don't know what the actual chunk of money is that's shared. And I love the idea of you're better, you get more money, uh, which sucks for the smaller teams. But at the same time, it's it's a good incentive to be able to produce better race results. So what's the actual kind of money breakout? When you say there's it's better to be, obviously, between second and third and third and fourth, or I, I know that last year – or even the teams now, you look at you look at Haas, who at one point was going, "Hey man, they were in like you know fifth or sixth, you know, a handful of races in, and that's a massive amount of money." But but what really is the difference money wise between these teams when they do finish in the order they do? 
Yeah, it looks uh, like it's on the order of 30 to uh, 25 million difference there, uh, kind of in the in the top uh, spots. So that's a significant amount of budget. That's, you know, 25, 50% of your, uh, of your budget for a, a season uh, that uh, can, can make up the difference there between those spots. So they're going to fight super hard for that, uh, for that spot Mercedes to try to take it away from Ferrari. So that's what I'm interested in watching is, is those two. And there's new rules coming into play in uh, 2023 around uh, the floor. Like we talked about in the last episode and raising the floor and, Mercedes is already working. All the teams are working on it, but Mercedes is really investing a lot into the development of that car for next year, kind of almost taking this year as a write-off and uh, trying to come out stronger next year. But I think that they're going to uh, gain some momentum through these last few races and will be back in the title hunt uh, in the first race next year. Uh, Lewis went after his team because of the, because of some of the strategy stuff and, uh, you have guys going back and forth, and then afterwards you have to apologize for all those things. So ultimately, how is it that the – I mean, I, I don't know. When you regroup and they have to kind of debrief and they just go race to race, I mean, this is this triple header. You don't see the triple header a lot in, in F1 because these are significant amounts of of uh, people that are moved, equipment that's moved, and, and all the you know the logistics that actually go into there is fascinating to me. I would love – one of these episodes we should break down, Dan, how this whole – uh, yeah. freaking party gets moved from one country to the next, one continent to the next. That's even more fascinating too. But uh, everything breaks down, and you're supposed to be able to get together as a team. Do they get like sim time? Do they get any kind of like real looks and real debriefs uh, that are significant between races like this, or is it like when you don't have a bye week in football and you go? No man, we just go. We just go straight into it. We have a couple practices during the week, as they do, and they just. For them, I feel like just traveling to the to the racetrack is the majority of what they have to do. Yeah, it's a it's a traveling circus, right? It's the same group of people every weekend in a new spot. Uh, a lot of preparation goes into each race, well ahead of the race weekend. Um, you know, through the summer break and and even prior to that, these teams will have all been doing all of their simulation work uh, to get ready for each race weekend. So they'll come into it with their plan and they'll likely take the data that they gather from, you know, the most recent race uh, and try to incorporate that into their uh, sim and their, you know, what they're preparing to, to test uh, during or run during the practice sessions at the next race at Monza. So uh, I would say they're, they're 95% there by the, by the week before, and then uh, some fine tuning, uh, there in the last few days, but like you said, it's, it's a lot of logistics. It's just, you know, got to get your rest, got to get your sleep and got to get the car and, and all the equipment to the next spot. Uh, cause a triple header is that's a lot of travel and, uh, these guys are going to be pretty tired from today's race. Anything else that, uh, we haven't touched on that you think you went, ah, that's something that I got to bring up in the pod today because, you know, through the race, you're just kind of watching this thing go in slow motion and you go, oh my goodness, another safety car. Max Verstappen was, I mean, you could call it being gifted something, but he's still the best racer out there on the track. Yeah. Um, some of the things that stood out to me, we, we talked about this a little bit, but the Ferrari uh, pit stop mishaps there with uh, the late uh, left rear tire to go on. I went back and watched that to try to figure out what had happened because on the radio or on the broadcast, they had uh, speculated that they had misidentified a tire in the wrong blanket or something. 
but watching it looked like the tire carrier ran around the wrong end of the car. He ran around, tried to go around the front of the car and that pit lane is surprisingly tight. I didn't remember that from last year, but it seemed like they were, it's, it was uh, really just skinny and tight in there. And so I think the Red Bull of uh, Sergio was about to come out and the tire carrier couldn't like run all the way around every, uh, all of his teammates. So he had to run back through the garage to come uh, around the back of the car. And that's what, you know, added the 10, 15 seconds to that pit stop. Oh, so that just, you, I'm just sitting there thinking is, is, are they hung over? What is going on in that Ferrari <laughs> garage to that the, the, the tire carrier didn't even know which, you know, where to exit the garage with the tire I, to, it was just mind boggling. It's wild to me too, because the more that I've kind of, you dive into the sport, you know, you watch Sergio Perez on the time where he was, during that same st- during that same stop, they're out there. They had obviously messed something up because uh, the wheel gun is just sitting in the road, and yeah. Sergio Perez r- runs over it because this is a tight pit lane, and he's just going into the same space that he's supposed to go into. And they had obviously just kind of left it out there, lying out there. And I, you know, I-, I was thinking, did he run over that on purpose? Did they leave that out there on purpose? But the reality was, is yeah, they were all mixed up. I, I I'm baffled too because as soon as that happened, it was interesting because the commentary in the in the booth was, yeah, that just ruined their that just ruined their entire race. Like in the first quarter, the first quarter of the race, his race is ruined because of this this uh, 14 second pit uh, that they had there. And I I thought it's wild because in some circuits it doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, especially if these cars have pace, which the Ferrari does. Yeah, that uh, that really set Carlos back, and he said that he had already sustained some damage in that first lap first corner um tangle with uh lewis who lewis kind of washed up into him a bit uh and damaged a bit of his kind of side skirt um barge board area off off the inside so carlos cited that after the race is kind of what had hurt his pace but yeah having a 14 second pit stop will definitely not help there or, or really anywhere and it, it was, I felt bad for Carlos. He was a bit of a punching bag today. He got the, you know, the time penalties uh, <laughs> from uh, overtaking under the yellow. Unsafe and release. Just, like, yeah, yeah. All this. Oh, the, un, uh, the unsafe release. Yeah. So he got, he got the five second from the unsafe release. He ran over the, uh, <laughs> uh, or, or his, you know, he, his team uh, left Botches him out to dry the, with yes. the tire. And then he, 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 he's really lucky he didn't get a penalty for overtaking uh, right next right to Valtteri yellow. when the yeah. yellows were out. Yeah, I, I was I was fascinated too when he's like, "That was not an unsafe release. That was definitely not an unsafe release." <laughs> and I'm going, "How on earth would you have thought that?" And by the way, if it's un- if it's if it's an unsafe release, that's not that's not on him. I mean, like all he's doing is having right. a guy go, "Yeah, you're good," and then he's have go. to trust that. That's the other part that I've been blown away by is these teams that are uh, these these engineers, these race engineers. It is beyond the craziest thing you've ever practiced in your life. And of all the sports that I watch, you know, we, we watch, you know, football teams go out on the field all the time and miss uh, extra points that is supposed to be a hundred out of a hundred. And you go, what's your problem? That's the only thing I can equate it to except for, I mean, it's the only thing that they do. I, I'm that, that, that's not me trying to like dog the, the, the engineers. I'm just saying this is the, they're like, you had one job, right? And they have many jobs, but at the same time, those pit stops, the amount of time that they practice them, it must be a hundredfold more than the rest of us that have that menial thing at, at our office that we have to get a hundred <laughs> times out of a hundred. Like they don't miss on this stuff, and so when they do, that's the part. And especially on, on, on a day where <laughs> Ferrari is already getting killed across the board because of everything else, 
And I, I was watching uh, one of the other – somebody posted online the a commentator from uh, Turkey who I guess just is brutal about, about Ferrari, which I love. Like I'm just like, man, I wish I spoke Turkish now. He just is like, Ferrari finds another way to ruin their entire weekend with one terrible pit stop. You know, it's like he kills Latifi on every race and he, and he murders uh, Ferrari on every race. And I'm like, oh. man, this is the kind of stuff that, that makes the sport kind of interesting though. And it's also, I think, frustrating for some people because you go, well, all I want to know is if if this guy can race well and if these cars are fast. And, and so all the other stuff, it really is a team effort. Like, and people, I, I think we don't stress that enough. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm thinking back to when I was uh, racing and with working with Ford Racing and we were running for the championship and I want to say it was the 2012 season and we were – four races to go five races to go in the lead like we were cruising towards a championship and uh one of the guys on our team uh didn't torque down the bolt for the you know upper shock mount and mid-race that shock came loose and we smashed into the wall and there goes there goes the championship and it was so sad because he knew who the guy was and this guy was so well respected just old just class act veteran and he just made a mistake that day and with his checklist and there goes the championship. And that's when I learned that racing really is as, as, uh, as much of a team sport as any sport that is out there, because you can do your job perfectly. And if one other person makes a small mistake, uh, that, that can m- be it for everybody. So it, it's, uh, it, it can pull your heart out at times for sure. Uh, can a driver just pit though, without the team agreeing? I was just thinking about that with, with George Russell. I mean, like, not that it would be against regulations, but I mean, what happens behind the closed doors between he and Total Wolf, and what Total Wolf has to explain to to uh, Lewis as he say, "I talked to George, and and he's never going to do that again." But that also feels like a kind of a veteran boss move to just go, "I'm taking over." It feels like something that Fernando would do. It feels like something that Lewis would do. It feels like something that a guy like George Russell is very confident enough to be able to make that move, and he did it. But is that like the kind of thing where the team goes, "Don't you ever freaking do that stuff ever again"? That quite possibly could have been the conversation afterwards. I was, uh, I guess, impressed and surprised that George was uh, so adamant about coming in and, and getting those tires. Uh, be, that's something I would have thought maybe in year two or year three he would have done. But halfway through his first year with Mercedes and being the clear, you know, number two to Lewis, uh, well, theoretically starting the year, he's the number two, but he's ahead of him in the standing. So I think George just sees himself as, Hey, I'm racing straight up with Lewis and I want softs and I'm coming in and I'm not going to ask what this does to Lewis's race, even though he knows what it's going to do. So yeah, it's a, he probably got some sort of a talking to, and you know, if his engineer cleared it, then, you know, that's, uh, that's moron on the engineer too. Uh, did you just call his engineer moron? How dare you? (laughs) <laughs> Come on, you know how to respect those guys more. Uh, That's right. Looking into this week, what are we expecting in Italy? Who does this uh, track fortune more? I know you talked a little bit about the the straight speed that you get there. Does that just kind of automatically benefit Ferrari, who's been super slippery on those straights, or has Mercedes figured something out? What does this race look like? I mean, we've had we've had interesting finishes over the last couple of years here. You know. Uh, we've had some some uh, some bad starts for some of the leader guys who end up uh, th- that lead pack ends up uh, busting out quick, and then you have like a Pierre Gasly who, who has won this thing, and I think last year it was uh, was it Ricardo who won? Yeah, this Danny is the place Rick, yeah. yeah, I mean, so I guess you could expect anything at Monza, or should we just expect the same old same old with Max Verstappen getting another W? 
I think on a performance basis, it's still, you know, Max is clearly in the lead. But like you said, that just there's something about Monza lately that seems to uh, throw a wrench into uh, the usual uh, running order. So I'm I'm really excited for it. I I would have thought that Ferrari would come into the race really confident, but after today's race, um, Charles was kind of downplaying it, saying that he he thought that they you know weren't going to be as as competitive, uh, which surprised me. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe sandbagging a little bit, but I, I expect uh, Red Bull and Mercedes to to still be the quickest uh, come Friday. Who's the most depressed after a loss? Is it Char- like Charles Leclerc cannot hide anything? Max Verstappen can't hide anything. Lewis can fake anything. I, I'm trying to figure out who looks the most. Like, Charles looks like everybody has stolen his lunch after every freaking race. And I know it. there are seriously three or four races that he should have definitely had wins on if it weren't for reliability. Nothing on his fault, which is hard, you know. But at the same time, like, I've never seen another guy. Like, today, he was definitely not going to be challenging for the win, and you might as well have uh, punched him right in the gut. Yeah, I think my meme of the year so far is something like you've never seen anybody sat in a Ferrari, and then it shows it shows Charles. <laughs> You're like, okay, there's one person who's right. been sat in a Ferrari. Sixty percent of the time, he's grumpy uh, through the throughout the end of the race, and when you just see his his thousand yard stare after races is uh, is yeah. both depressing and a little bit funny every week for me. Yeah. So, uh, okay, anything else we need to get to before we get out here on this one as we get ready for Italy? Uh, sounded like uh, uh, Alpha Tauri confirmed today after the race that oh, yeah. they are looking to sign uh, Colton Herta, which that's one one more step towards having an American driver. If if uh, the FIA will give him an exemption for his super license point thing that we talked about in the last right. episode, then we've got an American driver. And I don't think we've had an American driver in F1 since Scott Speed. I'm trying to remember was, the last full time. Who is anything but speed, by the way, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, Scott. <laughs> yeah, you you and I both have the same amount of uh, F, uh, F1 championship points as Scott Speed. <laughs> yeah, so, but but this is interesting, too, because I think McLaren, I mean, Zach Brown was kind of like, they were they were looking hard at, uh, at Herta for a long time. And so is this like somebody else? getting to him or is or is McLaren going ah yeah we're kind of interested in other stuff obviously the Oscar Piastri stuff I don't know how that's going to work out still but like who's going to who's he going to end up racing for because I know and, and how quickly can he get that super license to kind of get things going here well if they if the FIA wants to wave their magic wand they they can hap, make it happen for you know the following season which is what AlphaTauri is petitioning for um I think that I mean, McLaren's saying that Oscar Piastri's, you know, driving for him. The the board ruled on that over the weekend and said that uh, the contract with McLaren was the only valid contract that uh, Oscar Piastri had. So wow. that that'll be the lineup. And uh, Alpine is, you know, probably frantically trying to get uh, Pierre Gasly. It's interesting. You, you keep seeing these. Uh, video clips of the drivers walking uh, out on, you know, park Ferme or, or just yeah. walking into the racetrack. And you can kind of catch a little bit of what they're saying on the mics. And I've seen two now where one was ghastly talking to somebody saying like, yeah, the contract's already done. And another one was today, uh, Danny Rick saying he's going to take a year off. Yeah. I saw that one on year. Twitter. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know that makes people a little bit sad, but there's also the part where I go, I like to see new faces and, and new butts and seats just because, it yeah. makes things a little bit more interesting. I, I get nervous for a guy like Colton Herta who's going to have a, a massive amount of pressure on him. And 
you know, he's he's been driving at a really, really high level and has as much talent, I think, as any of these young drivers that are out there across the world. Uh, but the type of pressure that is with F1, I've, I have never seen in any other level of motorsport. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he handles it. And, and hopefully AlphaTauri can, uh, can give, him a good, uh, give, give him a good car to at least give him something to work with next year, too. But I'd be excited if he, if he actually does get that. And I guess it's not unprecedented either. To, to, I was thinking, well, if they never do this, if they never push this through. But I, I guess they've done it a handful of times. And so it's not insane to think that they could push it through. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll happen. Um, it'll be good for business for F1. I think that you'll see uh, in, an ever-increasing amount of interest from Americans uh, having their guy that they can cheer for. Right. I'm super excited about it. Uh, that's it for this week, then. Did we cover everything? I think we did. I mean, at, at some it. point at some point, we've we've over-talked it. So I uh, uh, appreciate you coming on on these uh, Sunday evening breakdowns here, and then people can be able to uh, listen on Mondays. And we hope that they do. Subscribe, tell a friend. Teach a neighbor about F1. We have a lot of people coming out of the, the woodworks. Uh, Dan, throw out your, uh, your Twitter handle so people can follow you and uh, at you because you're really good about uh, making sure people get those episodes. Uh, tell everybody where to find you on Twitter. Yeah, uh, you can find me at, at uh, the Dan Jimenez. Uh, I'm working on getting a different handle, but for now it's the Dan Jimenez. And <laughs> would love to engage with anybody who wants to talk F1. I'm 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 on there and, and happy to to chat and share memes and all the fun stuff. I love that people are like, uh, oh, hey, there are other folks that uh, enjoy F1. I don't have to hide in the closet anymore and uh, and enjoy it myself. Listen, as a guy who, for my day job, I have to be obsessed with college football. This is kind of an interesting thing for me because I get. Uh, I do the whole college football thing. My wife loves weekends now. Uh, I'm watching football <laughs> constantly, and then when I'm not, and football's not on during the uh, during the daytime or during the uh, the morning, then F1 takes over. So sorry, honey. Sorry, not sorry. sorry. F1 takes yeah. over. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter. Also, it's just uh, Alex Kiri KSL at Alex Kiri KSL. So that's what you can find us uh, on Twitter as well. For Dan Jimenez, Alex Kiri, we'll be back again uh, this week breaking down. Another trip to Monza. We'll break that down uh, later in the week. You can get that dropping either Wednesday evening or early Thursday morning. Until then, we'll talk to you then. 